Isaiah 61 says this, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations." Now, we shared quite extensively last week about this. There were two words I asked you to remember last week for those of you that were here. Do you remember what they were? Process, yep, and transfer close. It's the same meaning, so you still get 96% exchange, process and exchange. And the, and the point that, that, I, that I made very strongly last week, so I'm just going to just say it now and not prove it, but it is true, and if you need proof, go listen to last week. But here's what it is. When we're saved, it's in a moment, and it's, on the, and it's by the finished work of Jesus Christ. When we choose to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Christ is Lord and begin to follow him, based on what he's done, we are transferred into the kingdom. We are born again, not because of what we've done, but because of what he has done. And our part in that is simply to believe that he actually did it and he's actually as good as he is. And when we do that, we become born again for no other reason that we simply believe what he said and who he is. And then we begin to follow him. So the gift of salvation is free. It is complete. It is because of what he's done. It cannot be, it cannot, you cannot disqualify yourself, nor can you qualify yourself. It is all on him. He did it for you. Amen? Now, something happens, though, once you're born into the kingdom of heaven, and that, that thing that starts to happen is, is summed up pretty well here. <laughs> they will rebuild the old ruins, raise up the former desolations, and repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. You know, when we come to the Lord, we look a lot like a ruined city in a desolation of many generations. How many of you guys here were born? Okay, good. All right, so we've all been born, and we all come from families, don't we? And God bless families. We love them. I was reading a book, one of my favorite quotes. It was saying, how come it, why is it that your parents always seem to be able to push your buttons? And it's like, oh yeah, because they installed them. <laughs> yeah, come on, right? Is that not true? And those of us that are giggling with young kids were like, oh, I'm installing buttons right now. The truth is, our families are an extraordinary blessing, but they are also the backdrop for a lot of the challenges that we have to overcome. We've all come from somewhere. And it's an interesting thing because when we're saved into the kingdom of heaven, we're saved into a family, aren't we? So not only are we into something new, but we actually have to replace some of the old ways of doing things that we've learned that are just second nature to us, aren't they? There's just things where you're like, well, that's just right. That's just the way it is. You guys have heard this story. There was a, there was a, a young lady, and it was her turn to, um, to cook the, the ham that year for, for Thanksgiving. They were a ham-cooking Thanksgiving people. My wife says, amen. And uh, anyway, so she, she, she brings the ham, and she pulls it out, and it's all good and done, and, and the, the ends of the ham are cut off. And, uh, and someone who was just married in the family, kind of new to the family, is like, why do they cut the ha- ends of the ham off? You know, like, that's the best part. Can I get a witness? That is the best part. 
And she's like, I don't know what's going on there. And so she's, she can't get over it. She's asking her husband, why does she cut the end of the hand off? And he goes, I don't know. She's always done that. And, uh, and so finally she asks the, you know, great grandma, Madge, um, great grandma, what's the deal with the ends of the ham being cut off? She goes, well, I don't know why Sally cuts the ends off of her ham, but we always did that when I was a kid because our pan was too small and it wouldn't fit. So you just cut the, cut the ends off so it would fit in the pan. But I have no idea why Sally's doing it. Right? Well, that's our story, guys. We come into this life cutting the ends off the ham. We don't even know why we're cutting the ends off the ham. We just know it's the right way to do it. It's just the right way. Okay, well, guys, there's a lot of things that we've come into, and though we've been saved, our mode of operation is still based on some different ruined cities, some desolations of generations. Am I with you? Did you like that? I went with you instead of you with me. I was just keeping you on your toes. But it's absolutely true. So when we come in, though we are saved in an instant, we know that, in fact, I love this scripture right here. We know, skipping to the last paragraph, we can be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Number one, you have reason to be confident and hopeful. He has moved a mountain and he will do it again. But number two, you can be confident and hopeful that he will not be done working in you until Jesus comes and we all together are redeemed with every saint from the beginning of time until he chooses to come. And until that happens, we will not be completed yet. That process continues. So there's some things that we're learning in the kingdom and there's some things we're unlearning from where we came from. Are you with me? That's a, that's a huge thing for us. And this is the place, this is the place where I want to invite us as a tribe is to begin to embrace process, to embrace it. Faith does not mean that if I believe hard enough, then suddenly I am changed. Faith means that if I trust Jesus and keep going alongside of him, he'll be faithful to complete the good work in me. And after quite some time, I will notice, oh my goodness, I have changed. Now, your spouses will notice. For you, it will seem like a surprise. They're like, oh no, this has been working for 18 years. You're like, wow, just the last couple of weeks, I made some real changes. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that suddenlies come at the end of a really long amount of time? Come on, that was really deep. That was super deep. All right. So we are in a process, and God is inviting us into that process. Now, here's where, here's where I, we're going to practice today. So I want to just give you a little, I want to prepare you. I want to prepare you that there's going to be some activity today. We're going to have ourselves a workshop. I don't know why I said it like that, but I liked it. I stand by it. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do, and I'm preparing you now. You're going to pray with one other person today. You get to choose who that's going to be. I'm not going to choose that for you. However, if you're a spouse and you're like, man, I really want to pray with uh, Josiah today, you might need to let your spouse know now, like, hey, be picking your partner because I'm not going to be with you today. I'm just telling you, like, that's a good idea and that way you can prepare, okay? So we're going to be spending some time praying with another person today, but you get to choose who that's going to be, so, so be thinking about that. Let me continue. 
we're in a process of shifting from one thing into another, and Christ is being formed in us. Now, here's, here's something that I believe uh, I want to invite us into something, and I don't want to tear something down to build something up. But I think it is vital for us to recognize that an obstacle that we've had is because we are a people that came into the kingdom based on believing something and faith, and there was an instantaneous conversion. You once were dead, now you're alive. Then we start to have this expectation that that's how sanctification works, that that's how maturing works, and that is not how that works. Have you guys noticed, because I have noticed this, that the Lord is incredibly specific, meticulous, and not in a hurry with how he creates human beings. There is a spark in the womb, and then nine months later, you get a baby. And then 18 years later, that baby can vote. And then after about 25 years, they're actually kind of an adult. And I'm not trying to insult anyone. This is the 42-year-old, 13-year-old up here with a microphone, which I feel like you all hold a little responsibility for that. He takes his time because he's forming Christ in us, and we're going to live forever together. So the work that he's doing in us is worth taking the time that it takes. So as we're coming out of darkness into the light, as we're redeeming the ruins and desolations of generations, which means we're actually creating new things within our own family dynamics, and we're replacing those with God's family dynamics, and we're doing that together. So we're having to unlearn some of those ham-cutting practices and we're having to learn some new practices. And you know what? It takes time. And it takes love. And it takes process. And it takes patience. And it takes accepting the reality of where we actually are. That maybe your normal isn't so normal. Maybe God wants to give you his normal. And, and that's where it begins is to say, okay, Lord... I have to admit where I actually am right now so that, and last week we talked about this, so that I can make an exchange. If I have nothing but ashes and I need beauty, I have to begin with admitting that what I have is actually ashes. Or I won't make the exchange. I'll just be busy trying to convince you guys that, those are my, that, that that's what beauty looks like. That's just what beauty looks like. You're like, dude, that looks like ashes. No, no, no. Mm-mm. I'm saved. I'll quote you some scriptures about it. Won't I? If I'm good, if I'm good at my Christianese, I'll quote you. I'll quote you out of this argument. But, but the invitation is to actually say, no, you know what? The Lord knows me. The Lord is present with me. Emmanuel, God with us, is with me. And he is not surprised by what's actually going on. So I don't have to lie to myself or lie to you about how I'm doing. I could come to church on a Sunday and somebody can go, how was your week? And I could go, honestly, it was a terrible week. It was a terrible week. And, and I'm just glad I made it here today. And that could be a great answer. You don't have to say, oh, it's doing great. Praise the Lord. Strength to strength and glory to glory. That's great when it is like that. Say it. Be truthful when it is like that. But there's suddenly an invitation to say, man, this is a rough week. This is rough week. There's an invitation in the scriptures that says this, mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. Do you know why? Do you know why? Well, there's many reasons why, but there's a huge reason why here is that in order for me to actually love you, I have to be with you where you actually are. 
I'm of no help to you if you're weeping and I'm trying to artificially cheer you up. This is, by the way, one of my greatest sins for my personality type because I don't like your pain. It makes me sad. So I would like to cheer you up so that I can feel better. Confession time. I'm working on this. Some of you have probably counseled with me. Please do not raise your hand. And you found it singularly disappointing. As you were like, okay, Captain Happy, I'm going to go get with somebody who understands pain. I'm working on it. It's not helpful, is it? Because if I can't meet you where you actually are, I can't help you where Christ actually is. Because he is Emmanuel. He is God with you. He's with you in the midst of pain, and he's with you in the midst of pleasure. He's with you in the midst of growth, and he's with you in the midst of disappointment. He's with you in all of it. He is equal to the task. He's actually greater than the task, but he is at least equal to the task that is at hand for you. And so suddenly I can begin to partner with this scripture that we can be confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What it means is I'm confident that Christ is working in you so I don't have to fix you. You don't have to fix someone else. Why? Because Christ is working in them. I said something really stupid uh, a couple weeks ago. Week and a half ago. Really just... I'm just so fantastic at that. Is anybody else here gifted at that? I'm so gifted. My words per minute, I'm the best actually here. Chief of sinners on saying stupid things. I think just based on how many words that I speak, I think I have you all beat. I will stand proud in my chief of sinners status in the area of sins of the mouth. So I said something really stupid and grieved the Holy Spirit. And, and what it comes down to is this. You know what I did? I accused one of God's servants in their level of spirituality. And the Lord was just like, Joshua Alejandro Rivas. You know you're in trouble when the Lord says your middle name. It's just like your mom. When you get the middle name, you know what's up. And he just reminded me of that scripture. He said, do not accuse someone else's servant. They will stand and fall according to their master. Don't you judge someone else's servant. That's, the, that's what it is with God. He's like, don't you judge my servant. What is Jesus saying? You better be confident of this, Joshua. I'm going to complete the good work that I began in them. You don't get to decide how well they are or aren't doing based on your little snapshot. I got a spanking. I'm waiting for the hug. Maybe one of you could pray with me afterwards. As Janelle says, spanking and a hug. But I haven't got the hug yet. I'm kidding. All right, but you guys are with me here. What, what's the point here? The point is that in that moment, in that weak moment for me, because of where they were, it made me uncomfortable. I'm like, man, they need to be getting forward. They need to be moving forward. And what did I do? I become their judge? Is that what I'm here for? No, I'm here to agree with God to say, you're completing the good work you've begun in them. Now, are they in sin right now? Yeah, they are bad. They're in bad sin right now. But you know what? They're not asking me for help right now. But you know who's working in them right now? You know who's going to bring them to repentance? God. And the Lord didn't tell me, I want you to go have a talk with that person because you love them so deeply and you're afraid for their life. I wasn't really interested in that in that particular situation. I'm feeling so naked right now. <laughs> but as the Lord began to convict my heart, I started thinking, wait, you know what? First of all, I have no idea where they're at. I know what their behavior looks like right now, but I don't know where they're at. 
And then as the Lord convicted me and I repented, then all of a sudden I had this love for them and he started giving me some insight. And, and actually he's kind of setting it up. I'm going to be able to have an opportunity to talk with this particular person. And they're sitting in this room. I'm just kidding. They're not. Um, <laughs> he's paving the way. But, but, but what's the difference? The difference is I'm in a position where he's saying, look, I'm completing a good work in this person's life and it's not your job to fix them, but it is your job to love them. It is your job to identify with where, where they are right now. To be with them in their pain right now. Because I'm with them in their pain right now. It's a totally different posture, isn't it? And the invitation comes to us because we begin to understand that God is rebuilding our old ruins. Joshua Rivas's old ruins and former desolations and ruined cities. I am absolutely saved and seated in Christ Jesus. But as you have seen, being here week in and week out, I'm certainly not perfected in Christ Jesus yet, am I? No, but I am, but I am choosing to love perfectly. I'm choosing to be open and vulnerable and transparent. And I'm walking in the light. And I'm cleaning up my messes. Right? And Christ is completing the good work that he's in, that he's, that he's started in me. And with your help and with others, you know what we're doing? We're rebuilding. We're raising up. Suddenly there's an invitation where when I'm with others, I understand that we're in a process of rebuilding and raising up. So I don't try to fix you by getting you to believe the right thing, declare the right thing. Are you with me? The, the, the main key that, I guess there's probably one main thing that, um, that I would like to invite us to grab a hold of as a tribe. When we try to rush others to get a revelation that Christ Jesus has not yet brought them to, we do violence to their soul. When I, when I try to get you to be convicted of a sin that the Holy Spirit is not yet convicting you of, and I keep pushing. Now, it's my job to come to you and say, hey, this is, I'm concerned about this situation. But if you don't understand it yet, it's not my job to convict you. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts you. And if I, if I take it as my personal responsibility to get you to declare or believe the, the right things, and I'm not saying they're not the right things, guys, but what I'm saying is if I try to get you to believe in Jesus, to believe in his teaching, to believe in his kingdom in a way that you do not yet actually believe, and I try to force you to behave the right way and believe the right way, before you are actually there, I do violence to your soul. Because what I'm saying is, it doesn't really matter what you actually believe, it matters what you say. It doesn't matter what you actually believe, it matters what you act like in this room or in front of certain people. And what I'm really saying is, it doesn't really matter what you believe. 
Salvation comes by hearing, believing, and then declaring. My job is to co-labor with Christ to hear, to help you hear. Holy Spirit's job is to work with you that you could then believe. And then out of that conviction of belief, you begin to be able to start to declare what is actually happening. Now, are there times when sometimes you get a snapshot, you get a revelation and you declare it at the same time? Absolutely. Totally legal. Totally legal. But if I am trying to do the work of making you, that Jason preached the other day about, you know, let's make people say Merry Christmas. Well, some of our, do you guys know what I'm talking about in the Starbucks? They wrote, he wrote his name, Merry Christmas, on his cup. Do you guys remember that? So that when they had to call it during Christmas, they go, Merry Christmas. He's like, ha ha. Now you're Christians. That's, but we, we kind of do that to each other. We sort of do that to each other because we're afraid. Like, we, it's, it's honestly, it's, I think a lot of times it's love. It starts with love, but fear gets in the mix. And the next thing you know, I'm trying to get you to be somewhere that you're not actually there yet. Because I can see the trajectory of where you're going and I want to intervene. But here's the thing. I'm not Christ. I'm not the one completing the good work in you. And when I try to force you to, to actually say you believe something or agree with something that you don't yet believe or agree with, I'm doing violence to your soul. And I'm actually saying it doesn't matter to me whether or not you actually believe it. It matters to me that you say the right things and act a certain way. That's called that, that's that word hypocrisy. It's called play acting. Hypocrisy means play acting. That I would demand that you would play act rather than just be with you where you are right now until the spirit of God moves in you. Now, does that mean I'm silent? No, of course not. But it's a completely different posture, isn't it? Like you can tell when somebody ain't listening. When they're just like, can't wait for you to finish talking. So they're like, so here's the thing. Jesus says, you know, and they're, and you're, they're like, you're not even with me. You're not even, you just want me to like give you the right answer. Read me back this answer. Okay, you're good. You're good. You read back the right answer. You're good. You're going to be fine. And your soul's going, but I'm not fine. I'm not fine at all. I haven't made peace with this yet. Jesus is not in my boat yet. There's storms everywhere and I don't see Jesus in the boat. And you're going, yeah, but he's in the boat. Say he's in the boat. Say it. I feel like I've made this point. Do you guys feel like I've made this point? Somebody want me to keep making it? Because I love making the same point over and over. Okay, fine. Thank you. So it's an invitation for we as a people to be present with someone, to mourn when they mourn, to rejoice when they rejoice. I don't have to, I'm not required to get you to that point. So then suddenly when I'm with you, I can listen. I can make observations and say, yeah, it's interesting. I, I was with a pastor the other day and I was making my case to him. And, uh, and, he, and he questioned me and I kept saying like 95%, I feel like I'm on, but 5%, you know, it's just that 5%. It's and he goes, you know, I've, I noticed you keep saying 5%. Like, what is that? And I'm like, lunch is over, jerk. Um, and, and, I, and I didn't have an answer for it, so I knew I was in trouble, because I'm like, ooh, what is that? I don't know. And he, but he was very sweet, but he was just direct. He just goes, I mean, what do you mean by that? Why, why are you so committed to 5%? Why, 
Like, you know, like, what does it matter? Like, if you have a part of your life that's broken, does it matter what the percentages are? Well, it does to me. And, and I had to answer that question. But you know what was so beautiful? He, like, he didn't even accuse me. He just said, I just noticed that. And I was like, man, what is that? And at the end of the day, what it was, was that I, you know, 95 is an A. Like, like I'm not perfect or anything, but 95 is an A. That's really what it came down to. I was just trying to justify myself before the Lord. And the other part was this person I really respected. That was the other piece. I said, well, I really respect you. And I don't want you to think I have like this huge iceberg of sin, you know, because I don't. Like, this is everything. I'm telling you everything. And, um, and I guess I'm just wanting you to know, like, I'm telling you about a 5% here. That there's not more. I don't have some hidden things that I'm not admitting to you right now. I'm telling you everything. And he's like, okay. And that was beautiful. And he was like, wow, I didn't realize you respected me that much. We're not friends anymore, but I'm just kidding. We're, we're great friends. Um, but, you know, so, so what I, what, what's the point? The point was he was just present with me, and he just mirrored back to me what he heard me saying. And it was really insightful and unlocked me to go, you know, the truth is I was getting an F before Jesus showed up. And ever since he's been here, I've been getting an A as a son. So maybe I should stop going with grades and just go with health and be on the journey with him. So it was a good day. Do you notice the difference in posture here? He, he, he was just present like Jesus is. So here's the invitation. We're going to practice this right now. First of all, I've got... No, we're going to skip this. Oh, come on. There we go. Here is going to be not our assignment. Can you go over and... It's being a knuckle to me. Will you just bring up all that goodness? Thank you. This is, this is going to be our assignment. We're going to practice this with each other. So we have, uh, we've got about 22 minutes left, so that's plenty of time. And, and what you're going to do is you're going to get with one other person, and you're invited to practice this. You're invited to pray with someone. You're gonna, we're going to take five minutes, and you're going to let someone just speak. Now, you can speak about whatever you want, guys. You might be responding to this, like you're realizing, wow, I had no idea this, that the kingdom could be this cool. Um, it can, whatever it is, I'm not going to, I'm going to stop seeding ideas, whatever you want to talk about for five minutes. After that point, we're going to just be quiet for one minute. And I'll give you a one minute warning at the end of the, f- the five minutes. When we're coming up on four, I'll give you one minute warning to wrap it up. We'll take a moment of silence. Just think for a moment. What did this person just share with me? And then reflect back to them. You notice I said no fixing, giving advice or quoting scriptures. Just report what you heard and observe what they shared. Mirror back. I just heard you. I'm with you. I'm actually, I am right now being like Jesus is with you. I'm just with you. Just right here with you. I'm going to share what I've heard. Then after that, share back anything you want to. The one who just shared. You got two minutes to just respond a little bit and then you're going to pray and then we'll switch. Okay? So, uh, so any of you that uh, already warned your spousal unit that you're going to pray with somebody else, you can go ahead and get up and move.